Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second hour of the Live With Me. Right, show. Appreciate you tuning in as I do, and I say this every day because I do. I say it many times a day. Appreciate you tuning in. If you'd like to join us today, be part of the program, 269-441-9595. In that first hour, we had an interview with Steve DeLay from the Mackinac Center for Public Policy and their legal foundation. He's the director. Let me see. Where did I put that? Here it is. He's the director of... Open government and transparency and is all about what's going on with Rochester School Community or Rochester Community School District and their denial to let parents see course material, or at least this specific course material on the history of ethnic history of ethnic and gender studies being taught to uh, I guess K through twelve. Very interesting, isn't it? All that information you can check out. At least the piece I wrote on WBCKFM.com. Also, you can go to Spotify if you want and download the first hour of the show via my podcast or go to the website, the flagship station's website, WBCKFM.com. And Radio On Demand is what we call, it's under Quick Links at the top left-hand corner, Quick Links. Radio On Demand is our podcast tool. So you can check that out there. You may find that very, very interesting. Then I went into, well, yesterday I told you about a school district in Austin, Texas, who's telling their pre-K through whatever that do not tell anybody what we're talking about when we talk about LGBT topics. I, I am searching for the words. I, I, I asked my wife last night. I said, I... I don't know what this fascination is with these teachers and people on the left with just want to uh, teach sex to younger and younger kids. You know, sexual issues or sex. The younger and younger and younger. I said it's almost like they're pedophiles in a way. Not, I'm not saying that they're, they're uh, touching the kids or anything. I just... I couldn't come up with a better word, and and I still can't come up with a better word. I, I understand that seeing these people who want to just constantly, we got to teach these pre-K and these K and these first and second, third graders, five, six, seven-year-olds, sex, 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 sex. It's the sexualization of our younger kids. What do we call them? I believe the word pedophiles, that's why I use the word like pedophiles it's strong it's very strong i understand that but what word do i use i asked my wife we couldn't come up with one maybe you guys can help me 
5, or you can email me at rank, R-E-N-K, at townsquaremedia.com. So that was yesterday about Austin, Texas. Today's Rochester schools wanting to keep course material away from parents. And what's happened in Massachusetts, where they, I believe, it's got to be a civil rights violation to take public money and say that we're going to have a, well, what are they calling it? What is it called? Prior, no. They're having some event this weekend, Cambridge Public Schools, to help Cambridge families get ready for summer. But the first 90 minutes are open to only priority families. And priority families are defined as families of color, free, reduced lunch, families who have a child with disabilities, and families with first language is not English. Then the final two hours, they'll let everybody else in. The white people that don't have, are part of free and reduced lunch, who don't have a child with disabilities. I don't get it. Why? Why? Why alienate these two groups? The event is advertised for K through eight families. And it'll include roller skating, snacks, and entertainment for young children. And then the article I'm reading about this says, hey, guys, do you remember the Denver Public Schools that plan to host a, quote, families of color playground night only, end quote? So things are wacky out there. Just got to keep on top of those things. Now let's get to some uh, more Michigan issues that I'd like to cover. Well, I told you yesterday that Friday night in a document dump night, Whitmer to hide it vetoed, or she vetoed it that night to hide it as much as possible, a tax cut for all of us. Republicans wanted, Republicans in, I think it was two Democrat senators and five Democrat state house reps wanted to give the people of Michigan uh, some relief in their pocket. Tax cut. I don't call it a tax cut. It's returning back our money that they promised they would to return back to us. Remember 2007, Whitmer, the Democrats and the Republicans all said there's nowhere to cut. Uh, so please let us raise our state income tax from 3.9 or 9.5 to 4.35. And starting in 2011, on October 1st, 2011, what's significant about that date? It's the beginning of our fiscal year. We will reduce the state income tax a tenth of a percentage point, 0.10, until October 1st, 2015, and we'll bring it back down to our original amount of 39395. They said, we mean it so seriously that we put it in the law. And they know that they were trying to fool people. People think, well, it's in the law. Well, you can't hold a future legislators or legislation or, yeah, you can't hold a future legislative session to something in the past. Schneider reduced it 0.1, we brought it down to 425. And then Schneider, the conservative fiscal responsible person he is, said, that's enough. We're not doing that anymore. So that's why I don't consider it actually a tax cut. They're just uh, living up to the promise of their forebearers. Well, Whitmer said, no, we can't do that. I want to give targeted relief to my voters or people I think need it. Where I don't want to give relief to everybody. 
I don't care that the food is through the roof because of our policies. She said, I don't care. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I don't care about the cost of gas. I don't care about how they're hurting. Doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to give them that because we don't have any money to spare. Oh, I think when she took office, we were uh, $58 billion budget. She's asking for $74 billion now. There's just nowhere to spare. Mackinac Center for Public Policy put out a, pay, a piece. Whitmer cries wolf on tax cut. Is the state governor unable to perform its basic functions right now? That's what Governor Whitmer seems to be saying when she vetoed that bill, that tax cut. Quote, I am vetoing SB 768 because it would strip away funding from kids, police, and communities. And according to nonpartisan analysis, blow a reoccurring multi-billion dollar hole in a basic state government function from public safety to potholes, end quote. I would say to her, please show to me, show me where that bill is saying it's stripping funding from kids, police, and community. You notice how they all, uh, kids, like you care about kids. Like you care about police. And like you care about communities, Gretchen. Come on, stop fooling all of us. We know you don't care about kids. We know you don't care about police. Community, some you do, some you don't. All this money that's out there, and she doesn't want to give any of it back to you. Mackinac Center writes, her proposed budget includes a call to spend a lot more of the state's growing tax revenue. She proposes spending $3 billion more, 7.6% increase. That means the proposed cut would not even reduce spending. It would only reduce the growth of the budget. So she's lying to you. That's what they're saying. They said if you fully implement that bill, it'll cost $2.5 billion. She's increasing spending by $3 billion. So if you were to just put it in there, you're still increasing spending by half a billion, which means she's lying to you when she says it will cut these, these uh, different um, uh, funding for kids, police, and communities. It's just a lie. It won't cut it at all. Look at the basic numbers. 2.5 is there. And, and in fact, of that 2.5, 1 point something is the actual uh, tax cut. The rest is something else. So how, and again, I, I, I harp on them every day because if we don't get these people out of the media who are in it and bring in real reporters, there'll be a problem. Because here's a simple slam dunk. Governor Whitmer, you say, quote, it will strip away funding from kids, police, and communities, end quote. So that's a cut. Would you say that? Yes. All right. You're increasing the budget by $3 billion. The cost of this bill is $2.5 billion, of which the tax cut is $1.1 or $2 billion. Can you explain to me and the Michigan uh, citizens how the increase of a, of a budget of $500 million is a cut? Why isn't anybody asking them that? Two six nine four four one nine five nine five. You listen live with Rank. We'll take a quick break. Come back on the other side. Talk to Scott about. Uh, well, no, Scott left us. Well, sorry, Scott. Couldn't take you right away, but I would have right after this. Line just opened up. Two six nine four four one nine five nine five. You listen live with Rank Show. Well, yesterday or Friday, we heard from Governor Whitmer saying that I cannot give you this. What I believe to be a one point something billion dollar tax cut, we just have nowhere to cut. And then we find out she's asking to spend three billion more. So 
she's saying billions more in spending is a cut. Well, we know what the left does with that. Let's see if any of our great reporters around the state who have access to her will talk about that. The Mackinac Center for Public Policy went on to say it would also mean that the state hasn't had enough money to operate for a long time, excluding transfers from the federal government. The state budget grew from $27.3 billion. So the state budget is made up of federal and state money. And there's a lot of federal money, too much federal money. We got to get the federal Fed out of funding these states and the states to fund themselves. So when you see $74 billion that she's asking to spend, and I think it was $58 billion when she came into office, that's state and federal. And, you know, there could be $30 billion of it or more of federal. So what they're saying is that the state budget grew from $27.3 billion to $39.1 billion in 10 years. Whitmer, Democrats, Republicans, Schneider increased our spending 20% over inflation. So they increased our taxes or the revenue that came in to the treasurer here in the state of Michigan increased 20% over inflation and they spent it all. The governor's also sitting on 13 billion from tax revenue growth that increased above expectations. So they plan on well, this is going to be our tax revenue next year and then more comes in. She's sitting on 13 billion dollars. Yet she can't give us 1. Point something billion a year in relief. Cuz there's nowhere to spend uh, cut it. That, my friends, is sad. And I wish more people knew about it. Beaumont study shows effectiveness of COVID-19 booster in hospitalized patients. So Beaumont Hospital, big hospital group here in the state of Michigan, they did a study of 8,200 patients who they say were hospitalized with the primary diagnosis of COVID-19. They looked at these patients between August 2021 through the January of this year. And they said it's peer-reviewed. The study was peer-reviewed, meaning they put the, the data out there for others to independently look at. They then said the study found that hospitalized patients who received boosters had a 45% lower mortality rate, death rate, than the unvaccinated hospital patients. So it was published, I think last week, March 17th, in the Lancet Regional Health of America. Quote, They've been publications across the state over the last six months that have been real powerful and robust in supporting the use of vaccination. But there's really very little clinical data that supports the use of boosters to this point, end quote. Said a director of emergency ultrasound for Beaumont Hospital, the one in Royal Oak. 
and he was the study's investigator. He went on to say, what we found was that there's a definite added benefit in terms of mortality getting boosted, end quote. They found the following. 5.8% of hospitalized COVID-19 patients in the study were fully vaccinated and boosted. 29.2% were fully vaccinated, but not boosted. And 65% were unvaccinated. So their pool, again, was from their hospitals. And they're saying of the pool, 5.8% were fully vaccinated, which means booster. 29.2% were fully vaccinated, but not boosted. Or boosted, excuse me. And 65% were completely unvaccinated. And here's what they found. That mortality rate was 7.1% for hospitalized patients, meaning the death rate, 7.1% for hospitalized patients who were vaccinated and boosted. So vaccinated and boosted, you're still dying, in this case, at a a rate of 7.1%. That's compared to 10.3% for patients who were vaccinated but did not receive a booster shot. And 12.8% for the completely unvaccinated. So they've concluded from the numbers that it's better, you have a better chance of living, obviously, if you're boosted. They noted that the boosted patients, so they had their total two vaccinations and a booster shot, had a lower mortality rate, even though the group was older and had higher rates of comorbidities. They said the median age of the boosted patient was 83, compared with the median age of 70 for the vaccinated but not boosted. What's interesting, they don't tell you the median age of the unvaccinated. Remember yesterday, those of you who were listening to me, I say when I approach an article, I try to remember to, to address every open door. I try to remember to either say what the data is or say I don't know, couldn't find it. Here's a perfect example of someone in the Detroit News who isn't doing that. Because if you have... Three sets of people that this study in Beaumont Hospital looked at, vaccinated with a booster, group A, vaccinated, no booster, group B, unvaccinated, group C. And everything in your article is broken down by group A, B, and C. Then you get to the age question. They give you A, they give you B, they don't give you C. Why? Now, I, I just think it's sloppy reporting. I, I'm not, I don't think it's anything nefarious. I would love to her to say, well, we don't know, or the they did not give us the data. Oh, okay, then we'll move on. We may wonder why, but it's just completely not addressed. So what are your thoughts? I, quite honestly, was a little surprised. I thought it would be higher. Someone who's completely unvaccinated has a 5.6% higher chance 
of dying to a person who's completely vaccinated and boosted. I actually thought there would be a larger spread there. Did you? When it comes to boosters, there was only a 2.8. No. 2. Point, well, 3.1. A 3.12. Sorry, I'm trying to do this on the fly. There was only a 3.2% difference. So uh, that surprised me, I, I have to admit. Fully boosted in the study, 71.1% death rate. Vaccinated, not boosted, 10.3% death rate. Not vaccinated, not boosted, nothing, 12.8% death rate. Did that surprise you? Did you think it would be higher? 269-441-9595. Lines are open. Love to hear from you. Years of the Live with Rank. Appreciate that. Well, well, well. Have you ever heard of J-Car? Now, you may have. I spoke about them a little bit ago. JCAR is something, uh, it's called the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules. Now, now, most people would have never heard of JCAR until all of what ended up being illegal activity that was occurring by Whitmer and Benson and Nessel during the last election. And that's when judges start slapping down things they were doing. And I remember specifically Benson, the Secretary of State, was stopped because she didn't go through the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules. I think that's when I remember first learning of this. Well, something that's not being reported, at least I didn't see it prior to the show today, but I have uh, my sources that had alerted me to it last night was something JCAR did yesterday that the left is saying they did to delay the ability of Whitmer Benson, and Benson to uh, undermine the integrity uh, of our elections by watering down what is needed to vote. Now, the hilarious part is they'll tell you that by watering down what is needed to vote is actually for improving the integrity of the election. Well, the only question then, if they, if they say that, that I would have to them is, I thought the last election was perfect. I thought the last election was great. You know, now we're finding out one after another after another. Little things here and there. Illegal activity. Wrong uh, voting. More people voting than on their books. None of that being clear. Well, what do you mean, Rank? There were 4,578 million audits. Oh, you mean where you have two napkins there? And you say, hey, can you guys count that? Uh, we got to audit that. One, two, two. Okay, thanks. And then someone else comes and says, hey, you want to audit that? Yes. Okay, go ahead. One, two. There's two there. That's what I have too. That was the audit they did. And 
they were a trying through Benson, the Secretary of State's office, kind of like an executive order to lessen the integrity of our elections. And what had occurred was this group, Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, said, you know what? We're going to take that from you. And they adopted a resolution to introduce legislation that was related to these proposed rules to amend the elections process. And in doing so, it's going to delay, like anything through a bureaucracy would delay, because Benson was just trying to do it on her own. But it will delay till after the election, lo and behold, movement on this. Now, Mears, the Michigan Information and Research Service, says that this is not a commonly used method but has been used in the path and is allowable as part of the administrative rule process, which was then triggered by this resolution brought forward by the Republicans yesterday and passed on a six to three party line vote. Two six nine four four one nine five nine five. Did they do this to delay these, uh, again, for lack of a better term, executive orders. There are, there are rules, but they're just being pontificated from on high with no one giving their blessing other than Whitmer. So what they wanted to do is look at three Rules. One was the disqualification from ballot based upon contents of affidavit of identity. So to create a process, it says, for disqualification of candidates based upon contents of an affidavit of identity. Well, okay. It sounds kind of confusing. Signature matching standards for absent voter ballot applications and absent voter ballot envelopes. To create a process for determining whether signatures on absent voter ballot applications or ballot return envelopes agree sufficiently with the signature on file. Whitmer and Benson, they wanted to water that down and bring less integrity to that vote. And a third one, an online absent voter ballot application to create processes for and a form of online absent voter ballot application. That's what I have, guys. It all sounds kind of confusing to me. It's not very well spelled out because it's in government talk. It really comes down to this. It's very simple. Whitmer and Benson were trying to water down, bring less integrity to our vote with three rules. The Republicans came along and said, You've, that's got to go through the legislature's. I mean, that's some pretty hefty moves you're trying to make there. So we're going to bring that back to the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules so we can debate upon it in the upcoming months. 
and let us, the representatives of the people, decide that. Now, I understand the left saying, well, they're doing that to delay the implementation of our executive orders, again, for lack of a better term. Is it true? I don't know. It may be. I'll be honest with you. Look into someone's heart and mind and you tell me if you know. Or maybe it just should be not one or two people deciding on this. Maybe it should be the people's elected representatives who are deciding on this. It could be one or the other or both, actually. But for these people who say the election was perfect, then why are they getting $8 million from the federal government to, uh, I guess, spend here in the state of Michigan to improve the security of our vote? If the security of the vote last election was fine, perfect, in fact, they use those terms in describing it, why are we spending a nickel? And then we just found out last night or actually, I may have reported this last week. The state of Wisconsin, they did a deep dive. They found out that there were cities, including as large as Green Bay, that literally gave over the vote to Facebook to run. Oh, no, there's nothing, no problem there, right? A private company running our vote? So... I hope I explain this in a way that is understandable because I know there was a lot of government speech speak in that. Here's another way that this news organization, subscription only, mirrors put it. The Secretary of State's pending rules for online absentee ballot applications and signature matching standards will now be subjugated to the legislative process, putting them on pause until after the 2020 election. Earlier this month, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson rejected alterations made to her rules by the Republican-led JCAR, Joint Committee on Administrative Rules. The committee eliminated the presumption that all application and ballot signatures are authentic, which is the advisory under Benson's rule. I guess they, the presumption is that you go in and believe that this is an authentic signature and you must prove different. So where was the left complaining when Benson rejected everything the legislature said to her through this committee of what they want to do with these rules? Why, why is it so difficult? Why do you think the, the left is fighting so hard to water down the rules to vote? Now, they'll say to increase the vote. There were so many people. We had more people uh, voting last election than ever before. They're fighting to water down the requirements on what you need to have an absentee ballot or whatever, so they can do what? You tell me. Why? Why would they be fighting against rules 
or laws that would bring integrity back to our vote. Now, to me, there's only one reason they would be doing that. What about you? 269-441-9595. We'll be right back. Give us a call. You're listening to Live with Rank on this uh, midday, midweek day. Thank you for that. I was telling you earlier about this Beaumont Hospital study. And I found it interesting. Uh, it, it proved that being boosted does help you, but not as much as I thought it would. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't get it because of this, because think about it. If you are not vaccinated at all, and there are a study of 8,200 patients who were hospitalized with the primary do- diagnosis of COVID-19, so 8,200, 5.8% of them, were what the study called fully vaccinated. So you're vaccinated, the two shots plus the booster. 29.2% were vaccinated with the two shots and 65% were not vaccinated at all. Now, of those patients, they found that 7.1% of the people fully vaccinated with the booster died. 10.3% of those with the two shots died. 12.8% of those with zero vaccinations at all died. So you're looking at a three point, well, actually five point something. I should have done that at the break. Difference. And I was surprised. I, I thought it would be more, but I wouldn't want to be one of those five point something percent that it was more that died now they did say that people in the fully vaccinated with a booster had more comorbidities comorbidities that could be true with that being said i wanted to bring up the new numbers as many of you know i tell you that i track every day even on the weekends every day since i don't know if it was february or march maybe march 12th i have all the numbers from michigan the united states and the world, how many total positive cases there are, how many total deaths there were, and then the differences each day. Michigan is up around 2,073,010 people who had or tested positive, they're saying, with 32,619 dead. That was number as of Monday because it's not important enough to Whitmer to have those numbers every day. We only get them from the state Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I bring that up. Do I have a problem with those numbers coming Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? No. My problem is when Trump was in office, everything was an emergency. Everything, if they didn't bring anything up or a number up each day, they were pounded. And I'm not talking about just in the beginning, through his entire presidency with COVID. But the United States, and that's what I'm bringing this up again for, is playing their tricks and games again. I've contacted the CDC three times. Twice I got through to someone. And I said, this is the problem I'm having with the numbers you, the CDC, are putting out. Can you get me to someone that will help me understand why we have the differences. Sure, someone will get back to you. Never got back to me. 
What I'm talking about is this. 99% of the times, the numbers differ. My numbers differ than theirs. So it's very simple. I take their newest number of total patients, 79,621,004 people in the country, has tested positive, according to them, for COVID. This is the CDC number as of yesterday. 79,621,004 people. The day before, it was 79,571,321 people. I just simply say, subtract, take yesterday's number, subtract the day before's number. What's the difference? Difference? I get 49,763 people. I'm sorry. Yes, that's what I get. The difference, what they reported was 47,454 people. I know I'm getting heavy in numbers here, but I'll tie it all together. So they're missing, I'm missing 2,229 people. Same thing when it comes to the death numbers. I say, well, if I take your death numbers from yesterday, subtract your death number from the day before, you should have 2,308 deaths reported. But you're telling me only 911 people are reported as dead. What happened to the 1,400 others? That's the simple question I asked, and they'd never get back to me. I don't know what's going on. It could be explained by, well, uh, we're adjusting numbers, but nowhere are they telling you that's what they're doing. And as I bring this topic up, every time I do, the state of Michigan, I give credit to. Their numbers are always correct. Whether they're correct in the sense of who died and who didn't die, who had it, or who didn't have it, I don't know. But when you take the numbers and subtract them and get the differences, their differences are the same as what the actual numbers are. So what's going on at the United with the CDC? I don't know. They won't get back to me. And here's the other interesting part. This never happened under Trump. And I have the numbers to prove it. But it's happening shortly after Biden took office. Is there an innocent explanation? There may be. But it's not being given to us. Now, when we come back after this top of the hour break, we're going to talk about the significance of the passage of time. And it's very significant when you talk about the passage of time because time is significant when there's passages and then the passages have to be significant. Uh, you'll get what I'm trying to say coming up right after this. You listen live with Rank. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.